Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Coolangatta podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us for Dinner with Jesus, a series exploring transformative mealtime encounters found in the Gospels. Together, we will discover the depths of these moments, revealing Jesus' mission of redemption through love and grace. We pray this message is a blessing. Church, how's everyone this morning? Hopefully, everyone's doing okay. If I've not met you, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life Cool and Gatter, and we're just so stoked that you're here to worship with us today. And we're in the second week of our series called Dinner with Jesus. Who'd love to have dinner with Jesus? Right? You wouldn't forget to say grace before the meal, would you? If he was there, you'd be like, oh, let's just say grace before we eat, right? Because Jesus is there. And the one thing I love about this series is that these encounters that we look at, they show the character and nature of Jesus, which actually shows us the character and nature of God. If you want to know what God's like, all you need to do is read the Gospels, look at the person and the work of Jesus to get a good understanding of who God is. And what we find is God is a God full of love and mercy for all people. And this is what we find in this dinner with Jesus that we're going to be exploring today in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. I'm going to read that for you. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating with the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 5,000 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time she has ended has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Before we get into the message today, I'd love to pray. Would you please join me? Father God, I just thank you God for the gathering of your saints here today, for the gathering of your people. Lord, we come to worship you just like this woman. God, I thank you for this story that we find in the Gospels of of your beauty, of your love, of your grace. So Lord, I pray that you would help me preach this message with truth, with grace, and with love, that in the end, Lord, they wouldn't look to me, they'd only look to you, the one who brings life, and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. 
So I remember it was shortly after I got saved at the age of 33. Um, I was at my house and I was reading scripture and I was putting worship music on and I was just praying and worshipping the Lord and learning about God's grace and God's holiness in this time. And in the time of prayer and worship, I can't explain it to you, but it was almost like the holiness of God descended into the room. And there was this moment, this realisation of how holy God is and how actually sinful I am. And when I sort of had this glimpse of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of myself, it made me realize how much grace he'd actually poured out on me. That he'd actually given me when he'd forgiven me of all my sin, of 33 years of doing whatever I wanted to do. His holiness, this holy and righteous God extended such grace and mercy to me. And it actually made me weep. It made me cry. I actually ended up on my face, on the ground in my lounge room, nobody around. Just crying before the Lord, just going, I can't believe it. I can't believe you would pour out such grace on me. And I often think to myself, would I have acted that way? Would I have responded that way if if other people were around? That'd be really awkward, right, if I just did it right here in front of all of you. But let's call a spade a spade. This is what's actually happening here in Luke 7. It's it's super awkward. This woman comes in and, and has this moment with Jesus. Just a bit of context for you. So this dinner with Jesus in Luke, it's believed that it's actually in the first year of his three-and-a-half-year ministry. So at this stage, Jesus has already gone around. He's ministering around the area of Galilee. He's performing amazing miracles, and he's teaching about the kingdom of God. And there's been a few moments where he's actually told people, you're forgiven of your sin. And so all the people in that area are seeing this man. He's doing these amazing miracles to prove that he has the power to forgive sins but also that he's calling people to repentance. And when they repent, he's saying, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus is well known by everyone at this stage. And the Pharisees, they're extremely challenged and curious about who this Jesus is. So what they wanted to find out was, was Jesus a teacher? Was he a rabbi? Was he a prophet? Or was he something else? Was he something greater? Was he the Messiah that they were waiting to come? So a Pharisee named Simon, he invites Jesus to dinner to find out a little bit more about this miracle man. So we pick it up in verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she began to wipe them with her hair. She kissed them and poured perfume on them. You see, this scene starts with this curious, curious Pharisee who's willing to seek out Jesus, who's willing to seek and, and start a personal conversation with him, which is actually a great start. If you're here today seeking answers or seeking the truth, the best thing you can do is, is come to Jesus with a humble heart that's actually open. And the fact that you're here today is a great start to this journey of as actually discovering truth in Jesus. So Jesus is at the Pharisee's house and he's reclining at the table for dinner. And you'll see on the picture behind me that comes up now, you'll see this table, this dinner table. That's how they used to sit. They would actually recline. They would actually lean on one of their sides at the dinner table. It wasn't like what we have now, you know, nice tables with chairs and all that sort of stuff. That's how they would eat in the first century in the Jewish culture. So Jesus is actually reclining at the table and this woman enters. This sinful woman, a prostitute or something similar, was obviously 
Obvious by the way that she was dressed or by her reputation within the community that she lived a sinful life. But the question is, why, why does she come to Jesus? Why does she seek him out and come into that house? Because he's been going around preaching repentance, like repent from sin. He's also been noticed that he actually welcomes sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, anyone he will welcome in. And he's actually declaring forgiveness of sins and he's doing miracles to prove that he has the power to do that. And she knows this. And she knows her sinful nature. But she knows there is hope in this man. So she comes. And imagine with me how awkward this scene must be that she walks into a Pharisee's house, some random guy's house, right, and falls down at his feet and starts anointing Jesus' feet, kissing them over and over and over again with this raw emotion with tears flowing from our eyes. This is actually a beautiful scene of raw emotion and gratitude, and undoubtedly, it's super awkward. Like, imagine if someone came up, walked up here now and started taking my shoes off, weeping at my feet while I was preaching, and started to clean my feet. That would be awkward, right? People would be like, what is happening? That's the same thing as what's happening there. And I would, I'd be like, whoa, 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 stop. Don't do that to me. But Jesus just lets her do it. Why does Jesus just let her do it? Because Jesus is worthy of unbridled and raw worship. But also Jesus has a plan. He actually has a plan to reveal the character and nature of God through every circumstance. <clears throat> this is a good lesson for us as Christians. Because no matter what situation we find ourselves in or how awkward it is, we should be eager or looking to share God's grace in every circumstance, even if it's a little bit awkward. Verse 39 says, When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, said to himself, <clears throat> If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. He starts with, If this man was a prophet. This means that Simon <clears throat> thought that Jesus was possibly a prophet. You see, Simon's aware of all the miracles and the teaching of Jesus. He's wrestling within himself whether Jesus is from God or not. Was Jesus a prophet? Or was he not? And the Pharisee Simon and all the Pharisees, they were scrutinizing Jesus' every move to make that decision. Because if Jesus was a prophet or even the Messiah, that would make a huge difference in Simon's life and the Jewish people's life. Because they're, they're waiting for the Messiah to come. So this wrestle in Simon is not insignificant. And many of us have the same wrestle in our hearts today regarding who Jesus is, right? Like, is Jesus God like he claims to be? Because if he is, that changes everything in our lives too. But Simon thinks if he was a prophet, then he wouldn't let this woman touch him or come near him because she's a filthy sinner. But why does Simon think that? Because the Pharisees totally avoided sinners. They wouldn't talk to him. They wouldn't even respond to them in any way. They thought if you engaged with sinners like her or even touched them, you became unclean just like they were unclean. So Pharisees treated these people horrifically. They treated like they didn't exist. They would treat them like they were less than human, that they didn't have any dignity or respect. So Simon thinks Jesus has no idea who she was. And he thinks to himself, if he knew who was touching him. Here's the thing. Jesus did know who was touching him. But Jesus doesn't see like everyone else sees. Jesus doesn't judge from outward appearance because Jesus sees the heart of people. We see this in 1 Samuel 16 where Samuel's going to anoint the next king. 
And he says to Jesse, bring all your sons before me. And so he brings the sons before him and he sees one of them. He's like, oh, that's surely the God's anointed because, you know, he's big, he's strong. He looks like a king. And this is what God says to him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. For the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, in this moment, in this encounter, in this dinner with Jesus, Jesus sees the heart of the woman. But here's the kicker. He also sees the heart of the Pharisee. Not only does Jesus know that the Pharisee is disgusted, probably from the look on his face, but Jesus actually knows what the Pharisee is thinking. We see this throughout the Gospels. It says, Simon saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he, was no, he would know who was touching him, what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. He's thinking that to himself, right? Have you ever been in a conversation where you're thinking to yourself, man, this person has no idea what they're talking about? Or is that just me? <laughs> right, we do. We think things that we don't want to say out loud, right? And we're thinking this stuff. But here's the thing. Jesus actually knew what the Pharisee was thinking. This is one of the character traits of God. It's his omniscience. Omniscience means the all-knowing character of God. So church, God knows our thoughts. Did you know you can't even hide your thoughts from God? And because Jesus is God, he knows exactly what Simon's thinking. And therefore, he actually responds directly to his judgmental thoughts. Jesus answered him. He said, Simon, I have something to tell you. He says, tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 5,000 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? This is Jesus' style of teaching. They're called parables. Jesus takes spiritual truths and he puts them into earthly scenarios or earthly illustrations or earthly stories for, for us to understand a real deep theological truth, but in a simple way. So whenever you're sharing the gospel or sharing Jesus with people, don't be afraid to use things that we actually understand in our time and culture because this is what Jesus did. And he ends with a question. You know, when you're talking to people about Jesus, ask a lot of questions. Ask where they're at. It's a really simple way to engage in conversation. So Jesus tells Simon this parable and then asks a question to reveal a truth that's actually demonstrated here in this scenario with the woman. So he talks about a parable where there's two people that owe money, one 500 and one 50. Now, 500 denarii is around about $20,000 in our our money today, and the, and the other one only owed 50 denarii, which is about $2,000. But it says neither of them could pay their debt. So they come to the money lender, and the money lender forgives them both. He forgives them both. And then Jesus asks this question to Simon, now which one of them will love him more? So Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. In this moment, it's like Simon's like, dang it, you got me, right? It's kind of like, oh, I suppose. He knows exactly who would love him more. But this doesn't help his case against the woman or against Jesus. You know, I have this problem with my teenage kids sometimes when they do things wrong. Right? And I've got to actually sit there and I've got to explain to them why that's not okay. And I go, does that make sense? They go, I suppose. Right? <laughs> they just don't want to admit it. Because it takes humility to say, oh, I am so sorry, you are totally right. I was wrong. But Simon the Pharisee, is just not there yet. He's still sussed on Jesus. We need to recognize what Jesus is doing. He's pointing out here to the Pharisee, saying, they're both sinners. 
He's saying to Simon, you have a debt too. There's two people, one with 50 and one with 500. They both have a debt. Yes, you may have less sin than her, but guess what? You have a debt too. Your sins may be small compared to her large sins, but guess what? You both have a debt problem. You both have a sin problem, and both of you can't pay that. But this would have been so confronting to Simon to be regarded as a sinner like the woman. Because Pharisees were held up in society, these righteous men. But Jesus is going, no, 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 you're both the same. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us has sinned and fallen short. I've sinned, you've sinned, every single person in the world has sinned against each other. We've sinned against God, we've sinned against creation. Yes, some worse than others, but we're all in the same boat. We're all heading for judgment. This is what the Bible teaches, and this is what Jesus is teaching Simon here. He's just been corrected for the error in his heart. And Jesus wants to make sure that Simon puts the two together. So he actually turns his attention back to the woman. And he says, Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Ah, yes. Who could have missed her? Right? This is super awkward. She's walked into my house uninvited. Yes, I see her. But Jesus isn't asking if he sees her physically. He's asking if he really sees her. Jesus is asking if he sees her as a human being with dignity and value and respect. He's asking if he sees her through her heart and through her actions. But Simon the Pharisee, he can't see it. Because he can't see through the outward appearance. He can't see through the sin that she's committed. Do we really see people? Or do we just judge on the outward appearance? Do we just see the situation and, and not the person? You know, we all love the saying, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Usually we say that when people are judging us. But we're more than happy to judge others by the way they look, by their lifestyle. We judge people by, our, by their appearance. And for some reason, we can't help it. And I believe this is evidence that we all have a problem with sin. We all have a heart condition that no matter how hard we try, we have a heart that has a natural propensity to judge others and sometimes simply just by appearance. But God is asking us to see people for who they truly are. See, the Bible says that people are made in the image of God. That means every human being has dignity, has worth, has value as an image bearer of God. So Jesus asked the Pharisee and asked us, do you really see this woman? He says, I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she went and wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. You know, there's something happening here that's more obvious to Jewish people in that time and culture than it is to us. See, in that culture, it was hospitable. If you had a guest at your house to provide water for them to wash their feet, because they would have been walking through the dusty byways of Israel, right? The streets were dirty as. And to that water, they would, add, they would add drops of perfume, so there'd be a pleasant aroma. And you did this act of feet washing to honour the person, to honour the guest, to show them the respect that they deserve. So here's the point. The Pharisees did not extend to Jesus his due honour. They didn't think Jesus was worthy of the respect to perform these acts to. They're still trying to work out if Jesus is a sinner, undeserving of respect and honour. And so therefore, they just didn't extend this honour to him, this custom to him. But the woman, the sinful woman, 
She knows who Jesus is. She sees him for who he truly is, the Christ, and comes and carries out what the Pharisees should have done in stark contrast to them. You see, we have the respectful Pharisees being disrespectful, and we have a disrespectful woman being respectful to Jesus, and it's obvious to all who are present. And Jesus points out her actions and their inaction. You see, Jesus points out that their actions prove their unbelief, but he points out that her actions prove her belief in who Jesus was. And what she did was she displayed a deep truth when she does that. Because Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, and as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. You see, the outworking of both their hearts is a response to the person of Jesus. She's so focused on Jesus, she doesn't care about the people around her. She doesn't care about who's there or how awkward this seems. She's so overcome by love, so overcome by gratitude, so overcome by thankfulness that she'll do what seems crazy to everyone else in the room, that seems weird. What would you do if Jesus walked in the room right now? Would you fall at his feet? Or would that be too embarrassing? Church, do you know the Spirit of God is here? It's in us. The Spirit of God is present. The Holy Spirit is present with us when we gather in worship. So then the question is, what should our proper worship look like then? Charles Spurgeon says, when our love is in active exercise, our piety will be immediately towards Christ. We shall sing to him, pray to him, teach for him, preach for him, and live to him. Even live to him in all that we do. But to be honest, we suffer from the same issues as the Pharisees. We, too, we care too much about what other people think of us. So we don't dare pray in public. We won't even tell people that we're Christians in certain situations of, for fear of rejection or thinking that we're weird. We don't even sing loud in church to honour the King of Kings, to worship God because we're so self-conscious. If this woman joined us in our church service, do you think she'd be singing at the top of her lungs? Do you think she'd care what you thought when she lifted her hands in praise? Do you think she'd drop to her knees in humble submission to worship before her Lord and her King? Not us, though, because we're too proper for that. Here's the thing, that's exactly what the Pharisees are like. But this woman's love for Jesus was expressed through the giving of her time, the giving of her body, the giving of her goods, also the giving of her emotions and her humility. You know, that's the definition of love. Love's the giving of your time, your presence, your goods, your emotions and your humility to another with no strings attached. Do you love God and worship God in the same way? I know I don't all the time. Because she does this, Jesus responds with the most important response a human being could ever receive. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Jesus makes this declaration over her. And when God makes a declaration, it's done. When God says you're forgiven, then you're totally washed clean. And you're forgiven of all your sins. And he gives you a new start, a new beginning, a new life, a new spirit. He gives you a new heart. You have your sins forgiven. The question is today, have you had your sins forgiven? You see, regardless of what you've done or how the world sees you, God sees you for who you really are, precious and valued, valuable and loved. And if you believe in Jesus, God sees you as a son or daughter. Think about that. God sees you and me as a son and daughter and with absolute love and affection. 
So the question is, do you want a new start? Do you want to know a love that can actually transform your life, just like this woman's? Well, only Jesus can do that. But then the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Who is Jesus? That is a great question. Who is Jesus? Who is he to you? Is he just a teacher? Is he just a religious figure? Or is he God who can actually forgive sins? Because the right answer to that question leads to eternal life. You see, the Pharisees believed that they could outwork their own salvation, that they did all the right things, and then they do sacrifices that they had their own righteousness. They didn't need anyone to forgive them. They thought that they could just follow the law, sacrifice some animals, and they'd be forgiven. They believed that only God can forgive sins, and Jesus knew that's what they believed. Jesus was a Jew. So in this moment, Jesus is boldly declaring that he has the authority and the power to forgive sins. And therefore, in this moment, he's actually claiming to be God. Church, this is not insignificant. Because it was not only true then, but it's still true today. Now, Jesus is God. It's only Jesus who has the authority and the power to forgive sins. It's only through Jesus, God in the flesh, that we can receive forgiveness of our sins and be restored to a new life in Christ. But there are two people here today. There are two categories of people mostly in the world. There are the Pharisees and there's a sinful woman. Because either we think we don't need Jesus. I'm a good person. I'm not a bad person at all. I don't need Jesus' sacrifice. I don't need his forgiveness. But clearly here in the scriptures and what Jesus teaches is every one of us is a sinner. None of us is righteous. We're all in desperate need of forgiveness from God. We've all sinned. But then there's the other side. There's a sinful woman people here. This is what I was like. When I came to know Jesus, when the man was preaching the gospel, when Stu Cameron was preaching the gospel, I was like, nah, God can't forgive me, man. I've done way too much. I've sinned way too much for him to actually forgive me. But then when you read the gospels, when you read the character and nature of who God is, I'm the one he come to save. I'm the one he welcomes in. He welcomes in the Pharisee. He also welcomes in the filthy sinner like me. So we're either one of two today. We either think we're righteous and we're not, or we think we're too far gone and we're not. Because God wants to restore both. That's the reason why Jesus came. He came in the flesh to show us the character and nature of who God really is. He's a God that welcomes all people. And when he went to the cross, he went to the cross and took your sin and my sin. And he paid that debt that we couldn't pay. And he buried it in the grave. And when he rose again, it was the moneylender saying, your debt's forgiven. That payment has been received. And all who repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus will receive eternal life, will receive a new start, just like this sinful woman. Reese, you want to come up, mate? So how do we access the mercy and the grace of God and the forgiveness of our sins? It's simply by faith in Jesus. Jesus tells us in verse 50. Jesus turned to the woman and he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. When we put our faith and trust in who Jesus is, that he is the redeemer, that he is God who paid for our sins, when we fall at his feet and go, God, forgive me. It's our faith that saves us. It's faith in Jesus Christ. When we repent and put our faith in him, we are saved and we have peace. We now have peace with God. 
You see, we were separated before from him because of our sin. But now through forgiveness, we are made whole again, which means we can have peace with others. We can love and serve others just like Jesus loved and served us. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourself, it's the gift of God. It's not by works, so that no one can boast. Again, we see these two types of people here in this verse. He says it's through faith you have been saved. It's, it's the woman's faith presented here in this act of love at this dinner with Jesus. And it's not of works. The Pharisees thought they could work to get their way into the kingdom of heaven. He says, not that. It's actually a gift. You know what the crazy thing is about a gift? You have to receive it. It can be extended to you, but until you take it, it's not yours. So today, maybe Jesus is extending forgiveness of sin if you would just take that from him. Church, this is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performs on humanity. Physical healings and all that, they're all awesome, but they're temporal, right? But healing of the heart, healing of the spirit, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, that'll change the course of a person's life. You see, this woman had been restored to dignity and respect and has been lifted up by God as a true example of love and faith. Think about this. This woman's reputation was one of a filthy sinner and now Jesus is lifting up her as an example of true love and faith. This is what God does. He takes us from sinners to saints, from despair to hope, from death to life. And this woman has been a true example of unbridled worship now for 2,000 years. You see, God can take what seems hopeless and make it a beautiful masterpiece that inspires humanity and glorifies God forever. So what have we learned from this dinner with Jesus today? We see the character and nature of God, that He welcomes outcasts. He welcomes sinners. He welcomes Pharisees. He'll eat with everyone. Eat with anyone. We also see the condition of the human heart, that we can be judgmental. We can just simply judge others by their appearance. But we see that God wants to forgive and restore and lift people up. And we also see what is produced when a person knows the grace of God. It's a raw, emotional worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What can God do with your life if you just understood the depths of His grace? What would it be like if we worshipped? If we worshipped God like this woman? What would it be like if we actually worship God with all of our lives? Matt Chandler says, The greater your knowledge of the goodness and the grace of God in your life, the more likely you are to praise Him. Do you know the goodness and the grace of God today? Will you join me in prayer? Oh God, would your holiness come in this moment? Come, Holy Spirit. God, I thank you so much that you actually welcome home sinners like me. That you love me so much. That you love the world so much that you came and died for each and every one of us, Lord. So in this moment, as we're in this moment of prayer, I just want to extend an invitation, that free gift for anyone out there who wants to receive the grace and the love of God, Jesus wants to restore you. He wants to forgive you. You're not too far gone. You haven't done too much sin. 
He loves you. He wants to restore you and have relationship with you. So if that is you, I'd just love you to be bold and just put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, I just thank you so much for those three hands that went up, God. I just rejoice in my heart because I know what you can do with their lives. I know the power of your resurrection. I know the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in this moment, God, as they sit and as they just talk with you. Just ask God for forgiveness. Repent of your sin. And ask Him to give you a new life. Ask Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that in this moment you just fill them with your grace. Fill them with your peace that they would know that they are forgiven, restored and redeemed by the blood of Christ. And Lord, for the rest of us, may we really know your grace. May we really know your holiness. And may we respond in true worship, unbridled worship, emotional worship, because Lord, you are worthy of praise honor, glory. We lift you up, Lord, for you are the only one that should be lifted high. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray you have a great week. Be blessed.